Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Well, how are you now, Scott? Story, kid. But Jesus. Sit down, you, you moon tang. Here, you. Don't be acting a maggot. Great day for the washing. Head on you and the price of turnips. Were you born in a barn? I'm allergic to this. What did a birth did I say? Ah, there. It's your man. there how are you getting on what is the story welcome to yet another episode of tis yourself with myself nicola barden this is episode five of season three and i'm very happy to have you here with me on yet another another great episode my guest today is an irishman yes so so far this series we've had two people from the uk and two irish people we've had two singers and two actors this time we're getting someone who has dabbled in the world of acting, but is a comedian. My first comedian, which is absolutely brilliant. I've been dying to get a comedian on and um, to discover, you know, what's the pressure like when people expect you to be funny? Sitting there, just staring at you going, tell a joke, tell a joke, tell a joke, joke, joke. Yeah, come on. We all know if we met the likes of Dara Brian, we met Eleanor Tiernan, we met Tommy Tiernan, we meet uh, Fred Cook, you know, Andrew Maxwell, any of those people were like staring at them going, the next thing they say is going to be gas. I know it. I'm ready for it. Or you're waiting for them to do basically an entire skit you've loved from before, which doesn't happen. Um, you'll hear in this episode, um, my, I was telling my guest how I used to work for Tommy Tiernan. Um, so I worked on the first season of his chat show and I met Tommy obviously many, many times and he's very quiet and serious in real life. Um and then when he's ready to be gas crack, he is gas crack. We've had, we had many great crack together. Um, so it was good to, so it was my perspective, I'm used to comedians being like low key until they're, you know, ready to go on stage or, you know, they're ready to perform or they're talking to certain people. So um, it was interesting to find out somebody else's perspective on that. Um, so my next guest is the wonderful Joe Rooney and most of you will know and I've named this episode after it because I suppose it's how he he rose to fame was his appearance in Father Ted as Father Damo uh, Oasis or Blur you know Mr. Father Frosty and all that I could probably quote every single scene from from that episode love it Um, and we also talked about the new Father Ted podcast so Talking Ted it's called and it's with Pat McDonnell who played Owen McLove who has no really of course you all know who it is I didn't even have to say it once I said Owen McLove you, you knew who I was talking about um, obviously Joe has you know a career either side of Father Ted so we talk about like what that's like did he ever want to like shy away from the Ted does he lean into it more now what is the crack there um, obviously do talk about stand up we talk about college we talk about music talk about Pat Kenny quite a bit which is a, a direction I never saw this going and I have to say a huge thanks to Joe because I wasn't feeling very well the day I was talking to him 
Uh, I, was, I was quite sick and my, and my skin was this greyish colour I can only describe it kind of looked like a waxwork and he never commented and slagged me so you'll hear I sound a bit like you know low key they're a bit like um, fluey or you know I'd like to point out it wasn't COVID um, <laughs> I feel like I have to explain that every time you're not well um, but Joe never slagged me which is fantastic when you're talking to a comedian and you look like death so you know one up thank you thanks a million for that Joe um, I think you really enjoyed the chat here there's a lot of things that we cover and also this is a test how I'm going to know how many of my friends have listened to this episode or not just to this episode to other, other episodes I'm name checking people every so often and one of my friends gets a name check in this episode so will she hear it and how long until she does so that gives away one thing if you're any of my male friends it's a girl but uh, we she'll have to wait and see which one it is anyway this is the wonderful and fantastic and hilarious and serious and you know broad ranging Mr. Joe Rooney, I really hope you enjoy. Nicola, hi. How are you doing? I'm all right, yeah. How are you? Good. Tell me this now. How how did you get started in comedy? What was the crack? Tell me, as a young little Joe, were you like, I want to be on stage, or what was the crack? Uh, not really. I don't think comedy was something I thought I'd ever do when I was a young lad. I was um, in a band from in school and then I was uh, in a, a band again from about, I think about 20 to 25. And uh, that became a bit more serious in, in that we recorded a few singles and mm. toured around and got on TV and stuff. And during that time, I uh, started hanging out with Paul Tylak, who's a good friend of mine. Uh, he does, he's an actor now and does a lot of voiceover work. And he was really into comedy. And that's how I really got it. I mean, you know, I was into comedy. I was into watching yeah. comedy films. and uh, but, uh, but I never thought stand-up as a career at all. But um, he was really into it. And when the band was kind of beginning to fizzle out, we started doing a double act thing. And our first gig was like a private party and somewhere around Fitzwilliam Square, I remember, in, in a, in a uh, Georgian house or something. And, uh, and then our next gig was in the, um, the N- NCAD, Art College. Right. And so we were doing characters, just kind of oh. doing these fake interviews. And, um, and then we started asking bands to, uh, if we could just open for them in like the Bagot Inn and stuff like that. And then we realized, found out that there was a comedy uh, a, a club called The Cellar that Ardla Hanlon and Barry Murphy and Kevin Goldie did. So that's how we got into doing live comedy. I think we did a video, oh yeah, we did, also did a video production course where we shot a few sketches and sent them into RTE and there was a program called Nighthawks and they asked us to do some sketches on that. That's how I got into it, but it was not something that I thought I'd be doing when I was like a kid. No. I imagine like the first time we went and like went on stage was that like really daunting because like the thing about comedy is if you have to be funny. So like if you're a singer and you forget the words, it's different. Or if you can't yeah. sing, you can kind of bluff it a bit. But in comedy, it's like dead silence. How do you come back from that? You know that kind of way. Yeah, it was really daunting and I would never have done it, I don't think, if I hadn't done the band first, which is like a gentle introduction to performing on stage because you've got a whole band behind you and if people aren't listening, well, you're probably louder than them, you know. And <laughs> then a the double act where you're wearing kind of 
cost wigs and stuff, so it wasn't really me. Um, gently, you know, I slowly got into the idea of doing stand up, but I was scared. Uh, just shitless. Sorry, can I say shit? You can say you can curse as much as you want. Don't worry. <laughs> yeah, of doing stand up, even even when after doing all that, because the the thoughts of my own voice, speaking in my own voice and giving my own opinions, still scared me. So I was really kind of a nervous stand up comedian, uh, or nervous before I went on for a good five years. Wow. <laughs> Like it's not like it was like five gigs; it was five years. <laughs> yeah, like I still had that nervousness, real proper nervousness. Now, I, I, as things got bigger, you know, like so, I got used to the whole idea of doing a club, a small club. Yeah. Then I was doing a bigger club, and then I remember doing like doing Vicker Street really scared the life out of me. Yeah. Like, because I've gone to so many comedy gigs. Like, I love going to comedy gigs because, like, you, you're you going in with the mentality of, I'm going to laugh. Like, someone's going to make me laugh for an hour and a half. And especially Vicker Street, it's such a lovely setting. But I can't yeah. imagine being the person on the stage trying to make 2,000 people laugh. Like, how? It's just so nerve-wracking. How do you do it? Yeah, you, I, well, yeah you definitely get used to it. But the, the weird thing about it is, uh, starting off the club, you can see people, you know. Mm. And then... Uh, going into bigger venues, you don't see the audience quite often. The lights are right in your face. All you're seeing is a kind of a haze. And that that's kind of the thing that freaks freaks me out doing bigger venues. I could see maybe one or two people at the front, but you can't see most people. And that you just got to get used to that and pretend. Yeah. <laughs> you're looking out into you. John there, I can't see anybody. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, there's a little bit of that. <laughs> Pretending that you can, that you're looking at people, but you're actually just seeing a kind of a light shining in your face. But, uh, but actually doing bigger gigs is easier because the laughter lasts longer. Oh. And, and also if one-fifth of the audience are laughing. Well, that's still quite a lot of people. Yeah. One-fifth of the audience in a little club is not much. <laughs> and, uh, it's your family going, hey, go Joe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. But in a bigger uh, venue, the laughter lasts longer. So you've actually got these extra seconds to think of your next line. So you appear to be much quicker and more witty on a bigger stage. And, uh, and then you always have to go back to a smaller club to... Uh, to write new material and it's a big shock where you go oh oh I have to be I can't just stand and wait for a big wave of laughter to like do you know through. who I am <laughs> no I do that here yeah you, you gotta be much quicker in the little clubs yeah yeah, yeah. I find it so like when I, one of my favourite things is when I go to comedians I hate when people heckle but I love when comedians put down the heckler like do you have yeah. if that happens to you do you have like pre-prepared stuff or is it a case of like let's ignore the heckler or uh, well, in, in general, heckles are, sometimes heckles are quite funny and and, yeah. and, and can create a bit of banter. Uh, definitely the best gigs I've ever done is where where there's banter with the audience yeah. and it's just, uh, uh, it's just a great flow of kind of heckles, but not, but gentle heckling and then put downs. And um, it's so exciting then because you kind of leave your set behind that you're doing every night and you, you're on a roll. Uh, but the audience have to be a nice enough audience. Uh, there's the bad heckling is when it's just a very drunken, stupid audience. Yeah, yeah it, just, it doesn't even make any sense. And you're like, they're so drunk. Like, Yeah, and that's just not fun. It's not fun for uh, anyone, including the rest of the audience who aren't. 
No, but totally. that's what, I think that's when we like is when the comedian puts the person down because you're like, shut, because you want to say, just shut up. And then the comedian says something, and you're like, yes. Yeah, yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah. In general, yeah, 90% of the audience or even more are behind you. So it's quite, and you've got a microphone and they don't have it. I find it so funny about comedians is that like everyone expects you to be funny like all the time. But like, like I worked with Tommy Tiernan's, so I've worked, like I know that a lot of your time is like really serious thinking about thinking about your, your set. It's not like, let's be constantly having jokes. You must have that all the time that people are like, nearly waiting for you, tell a joke. In Zoop Value, tell a joke. <laughs> uh, yeah, I did feel that. I used to feel that pressure when I was younger and uh, I'd go, oh, feck, I hate hanging out with people because they probably think they're going to be funny all the time and I'm not. Um, <laughs> but now I just go, deal with it. <laughs> <laughs> Deal with it. I'm just not gonna. I'm just not gonna be that funny guy. So uh, I'm not getting paid to do it backstage anyway. But you know, I can be funny with when I'm with, with the right people, obviously. But mm. but you know the way it is. You're not gonna be just cracking. Uh, in fact, if you were doing that all the time, you'd be such an annoying person. I, yeah, I've come across a few like that, and I, and I just go, I don't just shut up. We're backstage. And <laughs> yeah. Just, just chill, you know? Just, no just chill, yeah. Yeah, keep it, keep it till you're on stage. Like, yeah. for, your, for your sets and I suppose for your tour, how much preparation goes into that then? So uh, when I did, I did the last two Edinburgh's before the lockdown, hmm. uh, I started uh, writing little bits. Uh, so the, the, the Edinburgh Festival happens in, in August. Hmm. I started writing little bits in around January, January February, little six-minute bits. I would call up the international bar and say, can I come in and do seven minutes or six minutes? I don't want to be put on last headline. I want to be put on early because it probably isn't going to work, right? So don't, I don't need any of that pressure. So that's what I started. That's how I prepared for those two, so that by uh, August, I would hopefully have a new set. Uh, but it was it's a long, drawn-out thing for me because it would be I'd do seven minutes of new stuff and only maybe three minutes will work like and I go okay I got those three minutes so it's very <laughs> you add on three minutes at a time and then sometimes thank god just in the middle of doing a normal set stuff comes to you and you go oh that's fantastic and then you kind of if you got a three minute nugget you kind of add a line maybe every time you do it yeah, uh, but it's quite for me. It's like, oh man, I, I, it's never easy, never easy because the new material just doesn't work first time, and you're on stage going, and people are looking at you going, "Wow, this guy's really lost it. He he just doesn't have it anymore." <laughs> I, I was just gonna say, like, that's the weirdest. You're in the weirdest job that, like, so let's say a singer doesn't have to go and prep by going to play like a really small gig to make sure the song is good. Comedians yeah. have to go and make sure it's funny and tweak it by going. And putting themselves out on stage, and if nobody laughs, you're like, "Well, it's not funny." You have to go yeah. nearly, nearly die on stage to know that it's not funny or be brilliant. So you've got like two options: it's like be brilliant or be be terrible on the small stage. I'm just like, and the right you do, me. and it's kind of healthy as well in a way because I've seen. Um, I was in uh, LA and and I went to I think it's called the Impro Comedy Improv or something, mm. and uh, the big acts go in there and do the whatever they just go on and try out new material. Um, now in America it's different because even if they weren't that funny, you know the way audiences are in America, yeah. they go, "Oh, it's a star. We're going to laugh at everything." Yeah. 
<laughs> yeah. Okay. He's not funny, but he's he's got a late night show. Let's just laugh anyway. <laughs> yeah, or to be whooping or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, but it is good, healthy in that way because that's the way comedy works. So every act, no matter how big they are, they have to go back to the little clubs to try the new material. And I guess that must keep people on the ground, feet uh, mm. on the ground, as opposed to a uh, band or a singer. Like the weird thing about that though is that uh, a band might write a whole new album and uh, maybe only three of the songs are good. Mm. Yeah. And like no one yet they still go out and play the whole songs. They still play them. Like you like like, well this joke's not that great. You can't just go, well it doesn't matter because my next joke is good. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, you can't do that. You can't, you can't introduce, and then you can't introduce the old stuff. Well, here's an old one. I've been, uh, oh, it's 20 years old now. You probably know it. And no one's going to go, no. yes, he's telling that joke from 20 years ago. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Everyone's like, no, we've seen you live the last time. You can't say that. <laughs> yeah, no, we know, we know where this is going. Yeah. Mm. And then the, the news cycle is so rapid these days. That, like, if something's like happening and you're playing a gig and Will Smith has just slapped someone and it's that night, mm. you have to kind of mention it. But also, how do you say something that's not already funny on Twitter or whatever? Yeah, uh, I'm not mad into doing new stuff, news-oriented stuff, not new stuff. But, <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, but it is kind of funny how certain material will date really badly mm. with, you know, people, are just new attitudes. I'm not putting down the whole woke thing, but it's just a stuff you would have done years ago and thought it was okay. Thought you were being really politically correct by doing mm. it. Now it may not be, you know. I'm of the opinion that if you go to a comedy gig, that everyone's fair game, nearly in a way. That's my opinion. Like, obviously other people can disagree with me, but like, I'm kind of going, yeah. everybody's fair game. Everyone's going to get slagged from like me to, as a woman to your man with the bald head, whoever, whatever yeah. it is. And I think that it, I do think like, obviously there's a difference between like hate speech and you know, that kind of stuff. Yeah. Like, comedy should have a certain amount of leeway. Absolutely, no, and there's no way, uh, Will Smith was outrageous, did what, it was outrageous, and uh, it's, yeah, it's a bad precedent that that, uh, that, that uh, someone could actually be violent to the comedian. I mean, the history of comedy, the history of the fool, even in Shakespeare, the king has a fool that makes fun of the king, and that's allowed. You know, it's, it's so that people in authority don't get above themselves mm. and uh, people in and obviously the audience of the Oscars are the creme de la creme the, the, they are the people that should be made fun of yeah. because they're wealthy famous people and they need to be taken down a peg or two that's our life is like we just take the piss out of each other like Irish people our whole thing is that you can't have notions about yourself like Bono can't walk in and think he's Bono we have to take you down seven pegs <laughs> yeah Bono gets a lot of slagging um <laughs> Recently, he didn't he get slagged off for this poem or something that he. Oh yeah, his poem that he wrote that wasn't meant to be read out, but your one released it on Paddy's Day, and then of course I was like, "Stupid Bono!" Even though he didn't release it, I was like, "Fucking Bono!" <laughs> that is true. The Irish are like that. They do like to take take people down a peg or two, and uh, and I suppose that's a healthy thing as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, quite annoying actually in America that there's so much adoration of people who are just. Uh, I mean, there's nothing worse than sitting in a, an audience where the, the comedian isn't 
say what I experienced in LA where I'm going, the comedian, he's just not funny. Whatever, yeah. he's not funny. Don't be laughing at just because he's famous, you know? Yeah. It's kind of annoying. Yeah, because like, <laughs> you can go see, let's say, Dara Breen, hugely famous, great. But if he's, if he's in Ireland and he's not funny, people are just going to sit there and look at him and go, come on. It's not like, oh my God, Dara, we're going to keep laughing just because you're famous. No, you have to bring the goods in Dublin. You have to be funny. And look, I do get, I get a lot of, uh, uh, if people are going to abuse me online, it'll be like, you've only done one thing, Father Demo, and you're like living off it ever since. And, I, and, I, and to a certain extent, I am embarrassed by that as well. But uh, I'd have to say, if I go on stage and I'm not funny in five minutes, it doesn't matter what the feck I've done before that. Yeah. In five minutes, they're going to go, oh, it's Father Demo. But then after five minutes, they're going, well, he's not funny. <laughs> if I'm not funny. I think the Father Time is such an amazing thing to be part of. And like, I find it brilliant that if people are proud to be part of that, but like it's, people might know you as Father Damo, but they're not going to see you just do that always the blur. They're not paying 50 euros to go see you to do one skit. They want you to do more than that. Be pretty amazing if I could just get away with doing that. (laughs) (laughs) It'd be an easy life. But yeah, exactly. I mean, waste the blur. See you tomorrow. Bye. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I know. I mean, that's, it's obviously a way of getting people in. It's a way of people getting to, or or people go, oh, that's who that is. So it's on poster or what it's on in the publicity. But yeah, if you're live doing the live gig, it's, it's, you've got to have stuff. Are you, um, was there a point that you were kind of like nearly wanting to disassociate yourself with that because you were trying to be like, because I know a lot of people, I know Ardle for a while didn't want to be like associated with Father Ted. He was trying to be taken serious as an actor and stuff. And you have to kind of do a full circle, like just have to acknowledge that that was what you're from. But were you kind of, I don't want to be known as uh, I think so. Yeah. Maybe for a while. Yeah. I, I was uh, going up. I'm embarrassed about mentioning that all the time. Anytime I go on TV, it's always, that's the, they bring that it's always brought up, but um, yeah, but now, yeah, but now obviously you come full circle and go, wow, I'm part of something that was just absolutely amazing. And I'm uh, really happy to be um, associated with it. And I was talking to Ardell on, Tuesday there for the podcast I'm doing yeah. there and uh, he said he's something similar in that people thought he was people think he's innocent and stupid yeah. and uh, because Father Douglas and he went out of his way for a while to be appear very intellectual and use big words and stuff like that that was how he kind of tried <laughs> to push back again yeah. because yeah because people do really think that you're uh, you're like your character yeah. Uh, and, and there's a certain amount of anyone who's in Father Ted though there is a certain amount there because it was cast so well there is a certain amount of their personality in the character they're playing and that is even in even in Ardell that kind of innocence is part of his personality as well or apparent innocence anyway and um, the same would be with me I would say I was kind of had a, a bit of an attitude and a bit of a rev and they saw that in me and cast me in that room. He's always cursing at priests. That's definitely the guy to hire. And yeah, look, but it's true though. Father Stone, for example, Michael Redmond, very quiet man, doesn't say much. And he was cast in that role. Um, Obviously, it's an exaggeration of that personality. But that's really good casting. Yeah, we have a friend, um, my friend Amy, we call her Father Stone because when she's drunk, she doesn't speak. So she just sits there and like you could ask her 25 questions. 
you're like, Amy, do you want a drink? Do you want this? And she's like, no, I'm fine. And that's all she'll say. So we're like, oh, here's right. <laughs> Well, that's a nice trait when yeah. you're drunk, just to sit there and be yeah. quiet. If only that was my thing. If I could just do that when I'm drunk, just sat there and be quiet, as opposed to wearing the ear off everybody. <laughs> oh, me too. So many embarrassing moments when I've been drunk. If I could just sat there and said nothing. God. Uh, exactly when people are drunk, they must wreck your head about Father Ted, do they? Uh, yeah, I get a bit of that, all right, yeah, but it's never all that bad, like, I mean, it's not, I like a little bit of attention, I mean, I obviously crave attention, that's (laughs) what I've always, that's why I've gone on stage, I need attention, and uh, so I don't mind that little bit of attention. You're walking in going, does anyone remember me, I'm Father Damo, remember, hello? (laughs) Yeah, 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 I go out wearing a collar uh, all the time. Carrying a waste of CDs. <laughs> um, but ah, uh, yeah, like I'd say, be I'd say there'd be a time when I'd be going, hang on, no one knows who I am anymore. Oh. Yeah, podcast is great. But I'm so delighted. It's like, because I listen to loads of listen back podcasts, like watch back podcasts, like you know, like New Girl and like these American shows. But when you guys oh, yeah. did the Father Ted one, I was like. About time. About time someone has watched back. Because oh, cool. it's such a show that, like, it's so quotable. We still quote it. It's 20 years later and we're still sitting there saying things about it. So for you watching it back and listening to you and Pat, like, just having the crack and just listening all back, it's so funny. Like, Oh, brilliant. I'm glad you enjoy it. Yeah, people seem to like it. And uh, myself and Patrick have worked together a lot and we've mm. driven all over Ireland together, spent hours together. So we do have, I suppose, a bit of a, a rapport a bit of that we can have a bit of banter and we're quite different as well he's mm. he can be quite und, he's, he's very good at just uh, undermining someone if they get if they get a bit uppity so um, <laughs> I listened like obviously I've listened to the two episodes so far um, I loved when Pat Short was on and I can't believe that he was going to play Dougal like, like things like that you're like sorry he applied like he was originally applying for a different role but now he's like he's so iconic and and you have such, because you have friendships with the comedians that are in the show, as you said, yeah. like to get them on and just talk about a show that's so iconic, it's classy. But like, how is it watching it back though? Really good. I, it's just so good still. Every, there's very few jokes that don't work uh, anymore. Um, I, can't think, I can't think of any at the minute, but, uh, and it's always full of little bits like that you forgot. Little, Little gags that just stand alone, stand alone gags, whether it's Dougal just walking into the wall, which is nothing to do with the story, but it's fucking hilarious. Like. And um, where uh, I think, say, in my, uh, my uh, episode where uh, the two uh, wine bottles clip and Father Jack goes, Jacob's Yeah, and that's amazing. Uh, uh, and uh, and it's full of that, and that's what makes it a, a rewatchable, very rewatchable yeah. over and over again. Because there's uh, stuff you'll pick up on second time, third time, and then that's what makes it really good for quizzes as well. And there's Father Ted quizzes all the oh, time because there's so <laughs> yeah, and there's so much detail to yeah. to you work you with. Everything. They're like I watched this episode nine hundred times, and they're like in the background. What was the photo frame? You're like, what? How did I not know this? Yeah. 
And I've noticed as well at TEDFest now that the people who go there are picking really obscure characters to dress up as that only appear for a bit. Like there's three girls uh, that were dressed as peanuts at the last TEDFest. There's a dream where Father Ted has been chased by peanuts, three peanuts. I didn't even know that. Oh my God, I just remembered it as you said that. We did an, yeah. a quiz and I, I used to live in Australia and we went to a Father Ted quiz in Sydney and we got to the last round. We all, there was like three of us who had the same score and they had like a you know breakthrough round and they were like, um, what was it? it was something to do with, there was a dream sequence where Jack sees like a dancing pink elephant. And it's like, what's the elephant's name? Or something ridiculous like that. Yeah. Like, like, all these Irish people being so disappointed in themselves that they didn't know the name of the elephant. We all do <laughs> this episode, we're like, no. It's full of all that. I mean, there's like, what was the headline on? Or what, what book was Father Ted reading at the picnic or something? I think that's... Uh... But someone's biography uh, what's anyway I don't but anyway it's just stuff like that yeah. that, that comes up in the quiz oh and God, the headlines in the newspaper and stuff see this is why probably why it's so popular everyone's been waiting like like me has been waiting for someone to listen back and look back at it and like enjoy it because you and Pat you, you clearly enjoy it when you're watching it like you're listening back yeah absolutely how did how did Frank get away with that and during you know, the chat you can definitely get that you're enjoying it watching it well, that's a good thing about doing this podcast and get get to watch it and uh, what um, watching it back. I mean, I could watch it back without doing a podcast, but it is it's a byproduct. Yeah, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> and also, I'm getting uh, little things from uh, actors and stuff uh, uh, that I didn't know. I didn't know that I didn't know Pat Short was up for for doing the Dougal part. I don't know if we've talked to Ardell about uh, when they were shooting the first series and. Uh, he went to this house and asked them, could he have a bath? Because he was too, so cold. And nobody knew him then, because that was the first yeah. series season. Can you imagine? <laughs> That's so funny. Open your door, <laughs> like some lad. Sorry, I'm really can cold. Have a bath, please. Can I have a bath? And of course, the woman said, yeah, of course, and ran him a bath. That's what I'll Ireland for you. <laughs> Yeah, that's Ireland. Yeah, I did learn. You did have a priest collar on, so maybe that's why. Maybe I did learn that. I did, I thought all of it was filmed in Ireland. I didn't realize that some of it was filmed in the UK. I didn't know that. Oh really? Yeah, Never yeah. All that. the indoor stuff, yeah, is in the UK on a Friday evening in front of a live audience after a, about four or five days of rehearsing. So and it was pretty. How many drinks did the audience have beforehand? Was it like the old days and get a few scoops and then they go in and watch us? <laughs> I, I don't know, because this is in England, so there wasn't like that many scoops. I'm sure they were very proper of it. <laughs> yeah, if it's in Dublin, they'd be like in RTE, they'd be like, here is four bottles of wine, just enjoy yourself. <laughs> I know, in RTE, the audience quite often are no interest in the show. They're just so drunk. <laughs> <laughs> they just want to get back to the bar, <laughs> the free bar. I couldn't believe this. When I worked on Tommy's show, and I worked on the first series of Tommy's show, and that's how I met yeah. Pat the first time because he was he was doing um, the in-between bits and stuff. And I remember mm. just being like, everyone's like, you have to give the audience like at least three glasses of wine. I was like, no, it's your Tommy. He's Tommy Tiernan. He's funny. Like He doesn't need people being drunk. People were like, it's weird. They never drank in their lives. They're like, oh my God, give me all the alcohol. I was like, we're going, to get, we're going to have no audience because they're all going to be in the toilet. <laughs> free bar. Free bar to the Irish. That's just I incredible. I know. Um, I remember seeing uh, when the Late Late Show had 
uh, maybe Gay Bourne was still there or whatever, but the audience were getting older and older and uh, and they were trying to get young people in the audience. And then the audience would come in, they were like definitely putting the old people at the back because they didn't want to have a load of old people on the front row, you know? <laughs> we seen on the camera. <laughs> yeah. Um, and everyone was locked. <laughs> and locked as well, of course. Yeah. It was an oh issue. My God, I'd say, you've obviously been on the Lele before. Like, what is that like? Like, I'd say it's an intimidating effect, great in the Lele show. I was really nervous doing it. I did it with, uh, well, I did a performance when Gay Barn did it, but that was different. But um, I did it where you kind of were interviewed by Pat Kenny, and uh, it was really your stand up. But, and God, like, Pat Kenny is great now on the radio and everything, doing politics, but he, was, he wasn't great at helping you. Like, I remember I had a piece of material about my favourite show on RTE or something was The, the Angelus. It was, you know, and I loved watching people uh, stare into the distance and kind of nod <laughs> or whatever. <laughs> and... Uh, and uh, and you and you send in your material. You write it down and send it into them. You know, and they go, "Yeah, we're going to do this." Blah blah blah. So he's going to lead you into that first bit. And so I came out. Uh, I said I had just come back from doing a, a weekend of gigs in Scotland or something. And he's going, "Oh, it's great you're back from Scotland, and uh, it's great you're back because you love watching television." And I was like, what, the, what does that even mean? That doesn't even make sense. They obviously have television in Scotland. And, and what, what does that even mean? And like, uh, you could see it in my face. I blank. I go like, I don't know what to say to this. <laughs> and then I go, oh, oh, yes. Yeah, I love watching The Angelus. I mean, it didn't make any sense. But anyway. Oh, my God. I feel like cringing for you. And that was how many years ago. I feel like, honestly, I feel like my body is cringing. Going, how, how do you make, how, you love watching television. Okay. It doesn't make sense. And it's live TV. So you can't say, uh, stop, Pat. Yeah. Uh, you're meant to say something else. Uh, you meant like that doesn't make any sense. <laughs> like anyway, it, it's uh, uh, that was nerve wracking. Can you imagine how nerve wracking it is when it's live TV and then you go and then you look at Pat and there's no help from him. He's not helping you in any way. He's just like that's what I'm gonna say now. Carry on. <laughs> and you're like, how do I change everything I've rehearsed for so long and just <laughs> television? Yes, Angelus, quick, quick. <laughs> It didn't make any sense. And even then, later on, when I did uh, Tuberty, when Tuberty was on it, he he had looked back on that because he must have been researching. What, and he and he, he 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 was saying, "Jesus, Joe, that was hilarious when Pat just dropped you in it there." <laughs> he just <laughs> it was funny. Oh my god! I just imagine if you'd only been starting out, you'd be like, "Like what? Straight? I can't! I can't make this connection." Good, good enough that you were able I mean, to do it. Because li but it's live TV. Like, I don't even do live TV on any other channel now, I don't think. There's, no. Everything's pre-recorded. Everything's pre-recorded. Uh, so maybe Saturday, or Saturday Night, I don't think Saturday Night Live even is done. Like, so, uh, so, so it would be kind of handy if you just really tightly rehearsed and you knew exactly what the feckin' first line of your <laughs> interview was going to be and not like someone... And uh, it's not like he would even 
say, oh, I've made a mistake. You know, I mean, sorry, what I meant to say was, he yeah. just dropped that line and just stared at me and waited and for me to say He just sits back in the chair, he's like, off you go. <laughs> I've done my bit. Sell your yeah. gigs then, off you go. <laughs> yeah, I, I, always liked, I always like wondered why he didn't just do politics. He's so good at politics. Mm. And uh, he's terrible at just interviewing people about just life in general, you know? I know. I'd love to have seen him interview somebody about like Love Island or something, just to see like how awkward he would have been. <laughs> I mean, he's made so many gaps, it's quite funny. I know. Remember when he told a young kid to, maybe he should uh, black up or something, because he was a, he was a break dancer. A I young Irish kid. And he... show tickets on the deli. Will anyone ever forget that time? Oh, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's funny. Oh my God, like all, everybody in Ireland dying to get toy show tickets and he's just like, well, that's it now, feck you no. all. <laughs> oh man, I did a, I did a uh, gig for him for charity. He, he called me up one time and he does, a, he, does a, he does a golf classic or whatever once a year where it raises money for, I can't remember what charity. Uh, and he, he called me on the mobile and it's like, Hello, is Pat Kenny here? I'd never spoken to him again before in my life. I'm like, I can't believe this is just Pat Kenny calling me, right? And uh, he asked me to do this charity gig. And I arrived there and it's all our lads like Dickie Rock in the audience. And um, actually, Dickie Rock owns the, the sound system. And I went to do a sound check and the fellow, the sound guy said, oh, no, no, you can't use that. Uh, that belongs to Dickie Rock. And I was like, but I'm doing, I have to perform. And, he, and he's going, oh, Dickie Rocks, Dickie Rocks. <laughs> so I was leaving. No. I was I was going to head off and go, well, obviously I can't do the gig. And, and I met Pat Kenny then and he, and he said, how are you doing there, Joe? And I said, oh, I can't do the gig, sure. Dickie Rock won't let me use the consensus. So uh, he called up Dickie <laughs> and sorted it out. But it was a horrible gig. They weren't into my stuff. They're all old show band guys and then I feckin' lo- I'm so nervous I slagged off Pat Kenny oh, oh <laughs> how did that go not good <laughs> but it was just one of those things where you panic on stage and go what can I do here uh, and uh, yeah that was a bad idea what is that like though if you get an audience that's not into it and you have and they're not laughing or they're not engaging like, how do you keep going uh, well, you uh, learn over the years what not to do by doing all the wrong things mm-hmm. and then crossing them off the list. <laughs> but, uh, so I've done all the wrong things and now I know what not to do. But I've done ridiculous things. I've, uh, I remember one time, and they're always corporate gigs where it goes wrong, you mm-hmm. know, because they're not really there to see comedy, they're there to have a chat and have a talk about whatever product the company is making or whatever. I don't know, whatever. But um, I uh, had one gig where an audience a table just kept talking, one particular table. And uh, I said, look, I'll, I'll do 10 minutes. And if that table could just stop talking and it'll be fine. And then I'll do 10 minutes and that'll be the end of it. So I went into this last 10 minutes and they just started back talking. So I said, okay, that's it. Thanks. Good night. Packed up my thing. Someone booed went boo and that just triggered me and I went to that table and stood at the table and went could you not shut the fuck up for 10 minutes to these people who were shocked on their Christmas night egg (laughs) 
<laughs> and left. And uh, I didn't get paid. I didn't get paid for that. You didn't get paid? No. Oh, my God. I would have been like, well, at least you stormed out in good fashion. It wasn't like you, you hid quietly and didn't get paid. You were like, well, I'm not going to get paid. Fuck you. Well, I, got, I didn't get paid because I did that, because I attacked one of the tables. But... So I was in two months. I was driving home going, should I not just shut up and go and made a bit of money? Or was it better to just fucking vent? I, well, yeah. I don't know. I don't know because I, like for me, obviously I, I've never done comedy, I've never done stand-up. But for me, if I'm doing my job, trying to do my job and, no, and like there's a table who's very blatantly ignoring me and being rude about it, I would react. Mm. So would you feel yeah. like if you got paid and you just like nearly plumose them on the stage and just like ignore them but they were really rude so you couldn't actually enjoy yourself on the stage like would have that been better it's hard to know whether you should uh, stand up for your own uh, principles uh, and yeah, it's probably better off yeah in general you'd feel better inside yeah I imagine that if you're going to walk away from it right you might have a couple hundred euro but you're probably feeling shit about yourself for not that was two grand I lost okay, two never grand mind. you should have you should have said nothing then <laughs> <laughs> Too grand, never mind, I'll be pretty quiet. That's why I was conflicted <laughs> on the way home. I lost two grand. You're eating by... for a month, but you're like, I've got my morals. <laughs> <laughs> I could have had a holiday, though. I could have. That was like a holiday that I threw away there. Do you know what I mean? Ah, but you know what? You did it once, like, and you just, you probably needed to get that out of your system. Yeah, it's not something I thought about. It was literally, uh, it, it, it was. It, trigger went off and I just lost my temper and and it's I didn't think about it it just happened probably people in the audience who probably were delighted you did that because they were probably distracted by them as well so they're probably trying to enjoy you and then there's people maybe I don't know I didn't stay around to ask the rest of the audience (laughs) let's take (laughs) uh, (laughs) it I thought about it afterwards and I thought what I would do if that happened uh, again is I would buy drinks for every table except that table oh my I'd God. say Great. I've got two grand behind the bar for everybody except that table that's what yeah. I would do in the future so you're not making money but you're like walking out like a hero going yeah grand but you're showing up that table for what they are yeah, yeah. and come here you're, going back. you're saying you're in college now what's the crack there uh, I uh, decided to go to college when I was in lockdown and I started reading books <laughs> oh, oh, <look> at there. <laughs> and I went, oh, this is good, reading books. <laughs> now, um, and uh, at first I had a kind of airs about doing philosophy or something like that, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, then I kind of copped on and said, well, hang on, let's do something I'm in, like I'm really, you know, I know something about. So I started, I, I applied for multimedia and I applied for a few different media type courses and uh uh, DCU actually contacted me. They weren't at the top of the list at that point, and the, but they contacted me and said, "Can we? We'd like to do an interview." And they interviewed me, and they were so good. And and I I thought that's the course I want to do. <laughs> So what are you studying then? So is it multimedia, is it? So in multimedia this year, I have done photography, sound production, um, coding for, you know, websites, uh, video production and editing, that kind of stuff. Uh, what, uh, what else? Practically. Oh, writing for media, which is like writing reviews and mm. 
for newspapers and magazines. And, uh, and then a little bit of psychology of media and history and theory of media, which, uh, that's interesting. Psychology was interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Do, do, do you think now you look at it in a different perspective now that like you're like, because obviously you can use all these things to help your career. And are you now looking at it from a different perspective now because you've seen it from the media side of things as opposed to just the comedian side of things? Yes, I do. Like I have written, I have made a, vi- a, a short film there for my one of my assignments and I did some. And so uh, I think I can branch out a little bit and uh, particularly, I suppose, one thing I've thought about is to to uh, write, uh, do a bit of journalism. Uh, mm. And another thing, I definitely want to direct uh, a film. I'll start with a short film, mm. but hopefully a, a feature. And um, I, I know what I'm talking about then. If I'm talking to somebody, a camera person or a sound person, I know what I'm talking about. I can't, mm. I'm not just going... Put the, you know, point the camera there. Yeah. <laughs> Plug that in there and point it there. <laughs> I could hopefully, by the, certainly by the end of the three years, know what I'm talking about when it comes to cameras and sound. And, and editing is something I've done anyway. I did, I did uh, you know, I, I edit podcasts, obviously, and I've edited a comedy podcast where it was all sketches and mm. sound editing. And I've done little bits on you know, when you're putting out stuff on yeah, yeah. Instagram, you're editing little videos together. So. It must, like, but it's great, though, that you've got this because not only are you learning, you're like learning every single day you're doing it, but also you're benefiting your career as well at the same sense, which is great. Yeah, I should hope so. And it's certainly, oh, another thing about lockdown as well is that I kind of really liked having a bit of a regular life where I made my dinner every day and it <laughs> wasn't uh, halfway then, you know, passing through at loan to yet another gig in Dingle or something, I was actually uh, preparing my dinner and it was kind of nice for a while to have some kind of regular time and time at home and uh, and a hope that maybe I could get off doing constant traveling and doing gigs as well. Mm-hmm. Although, you know, any job in the media doesn't have time yeah. Uh, structure, t- regular time structure. So it's probably the same in any job in the media. Yeah, like but, anyone who doesn't work in the media doesn't understand that you might have to work on a Sunday or a Saturday or, or you might be working at like half ten at night on a Tuesday and they're like, why? And you're like, that's just the way it goes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but I guess in a certain extent you have a little, you have a certain amount of freedom, yeah. I guess, don't you? Yeah, it's kind of, kind of. You might be free on Tuesday morning at ten o'clock when everyone else is in the office. You're like, that's my freedom. Yeah, 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 yeah. And so, um, like, you've got loads going on then. So, like, obviously with the podcast and you're doing the gigs and you're studying. Hmm. Where is your spare time? Uh, at the moment, of none, and but yeah. until until the end of uh, until mid-April, because the college stops. Uh, I mean, I'm actually finished now going into college and I have two weeks to do uh, the last couple of assignments. But it's finished. I, like, they, they're off for five months, these students. It's an outrage. It's crazy. And, uh, Lazy bastards. <laughs> <laughs> but I've loved, uh, what I've loved about it is, me, is hanging out with the, uh, the really young. I mean, some of these uh, people in the class are younger than my children. And uh, and it's great. And there's a girl from uh, a couple of girls from Drada that I've got to know. One of them is uh, 
Alana, she's only 19, I think. And she's helped me with my last video. And, uh, and uh, I haven't felt uh, like an outsider or anything like that. They've oh. been really nice. And then there's another girl who's actually a mature student. She's probably, I think she's 27 or whatever. But she is uh, from Drawd as well. And she's a cosplayer. And, and she's an amazing person who, who dresses up as these anime characters and oh. stuff. And she's really cool. And it's just great to ha hang out with, meet these people. And just, uh, they, I think, a couple of the students I brought in when I was uh, interviewing Ardell uh, to the podcast studio. And so I think they're getting a bit of benefit from uh, from me, uh, getting a bit more experience. And I can say, hey, I look, I'm going to this thing. Does anyone want to come? And then for me, I'm getting the benefit of uh, just um, being more in touch with what is how to go about social media, how, what what works and what people are into. Like TikTok and all that kind of stuff, yeah. That kind of thing, yeah. 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 And also, like you said, you don't feel like an outsider. That's great. No, they're just so... Nice. That was one of my fears that I'm so... I mean, I'm older than the lecturers, like I'm... Uh, uh, but no, they're amazing. Like, and even the third years, uh, some third years asked me to be in their graduation film, you know, whatever they were doing for their last project. Mm. And, uh, so it's been really good uh, uh, kind of uh, vitality I get from it. You know, just feel yeah. a different, a really good buzz. Plus, I probably learned more in in the last three months than I have in previous three years. Well, no one learned anything in the pandemic except for how to make banana bread. So, like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, I still, yeah, it's been hectic. It has been hectic. I have to say, but uh, it's it, it's all going to be finished in two weeks, and for five months, I'll be free back to just do just doing gigs, you know. And so, before you go, are you doing what's the gig circumstance? Have you got gig coming up or whatever? If anyone wants to see, well, it. I'm doing. I'm going over to uh, the UK uh, on Wednesday for a week, and I'm doing this show in the UK called A Celebration of Father Ted which somebody asked me to do it where I would go in uh, to theatres and uh, play the episode of that I'm in in Father Ted do a Q&A and then do a stand-up and a few Te Father Ted related um, interactions with the audience like a lovely girls competition an over okay. 70s football match you know I, I have two Zimmer frames and I've bought, now I've bought uh, blow up Zimmer frames. I found it much easier to transport. I should say, um, get them through the airport. Them. <laughs> and uh, and uh, I have other plans to do maybe perform as Father Ziggy doing uh, the Ghost Town song, doing a Bowie version of Ghost Town. Uh, uh, just making it a more interactive show. I'm playing a very kind to a very middle class English audience so far yeah. down in Brighton and uh, Bristol and I'm all around that area. And they're, they're, they're pretty much into it. A very, very uh, broad audience of age-wise as well. And uh, from, you know, old ladies who work in the church to, to uh, kids who weren't alive when Father Ted was made, but yeah. for some reason. So that's kind of cool that uh, that's uh, something that might take off. I'm doing all these, getting to see some really nice little towns in England as well. I'm going to like Rye next week, which is like this tiny little town that has cobblestones everywhere and Tudor houses and looks amazing. Can't wait to see it. Any gigs come up in, in Ireland? What's the plan there? Uh, yeah, well, I'm doing um, 
uh, gigs in the festivals as well. I'm doing the All Together Now Festival in Waterford. Oh, yeah. And uh, I'm doing Galway Arts Festival. I'm doing a lunchtime gig there in July. Uh, and uh, I just do the regular gigs, the Laughter Lounge and mm. the Comedy Cellar as well. But I haven't got any of those. The podcast that, is out as well, if anyone's listening. The podcast is out as well. And uh, I'll see if I'll do that show in Ireland. But at the moment, it's just in the UK and and uh, maybe Northern Ireland as well. Oh, do bring it here. Sure, look, anything that involves Father Ted is going to sell out over here. It's like, that's for sure. I, think, I don't know. I think I've overdone it. <laughs> Not at all. It's been 21 years and I'm still like, tell me this, tell me this, tell me this, Father Ted. I love the idea of doing a and a It's great crack. I, you yeah. know, I went to see, uh, I went to see, um, uh, who was it? Uh, I, I, I don't know. I went to see some, what was that name? There was some guy who was a, a very famous gay uh, British guy who had dyed blue hair and uh, fucking hell, what's his name? But anyway, there's people like that, like John Cleese as well, whatever, mm. would just tour around where they just get questions from the audience yeah. and oh I saw John as a Tony Slattery dude in, in Edinburgh he used to be in Whose Lines at Anyway oh yeah and he did and one he did, he did a show in Edinburgh where someone just sat with him on a, on a chair hmm. sat not on the same chair he had a chair <laughs> that would be good here we are sat together. on knee and they asked him questions <laughs> But uh, it was just, I was like jealous. I've gone, what a great show. All you have to do is answer questions yeah. from the audience. You don't even have to write anything. You don't need it's any amazing. <laughs> Love that. Like, is that thing? I'll go and I'll tour with you. I'll just sit on your knee and ask the questions of the audience. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's it. Yeah. I, uh, uh, yeah. That, that's that's uh, a retirement gig, isn't it? Like, yeah. You, you, you hope that you live until all your contemporaries are dead and then you can talk about them. Yeah, exactly. You're like, they're all <laughs> dead and I can talk about them now because I'm the only one still alive. Then you can even make up stuff because they're not yeah, alive. Exactly. To, uh... no, one can, no one can question it because everyone's dead. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Joe, I've had See. such a crack chatting to you. I can't believe what time it is. I've kept you so long. I'm so sorry. Um, oh, I've had such a laugh with oh, you. Not at all. It was great, great to meet you. Lovely to meet you. you, and I want to meet you in person, though. So let me know when you're doing a gig. Give me a shout, and I'll definitely come down and see you. I will do. Um, there, but I'll let you know when I'm doing yeah. a gig in Dublin. And well, come here. Brilliant. Thanks a million, especially on a Sunday. I really appreciate it. Like no problem, Nicola. It was really nice chatting. Actually, it was really nice chat. It was really nice chatting. I got so much crack out of it, and like Jesus, sometimes you're like these things. You kind of nearly watching the clock because you're like, I better let, you know, there are no crack, you're going to get them done. But I had so much to laugh with. That's why when I looked at the time, I was like, oh my God, I've kept them for an hour. <laughs> All right, no, it was good crack. So uh, I'll let you know then when I'm doing a gig, she'll come in, meet up. Do, I'd love to come in. I'd love to come in. So do let me know. And um, Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool. Great. Cool. Nice. So listen, go have a great uh, the rest of your day and uh, no, I'll no. look forward to episode three of the podcast. All right, Nicola. Cool. Have a good one. See you later. Bye. Bye, bye, bye. Bye, bye.
Mr. Joe Rooney there, a.k.a. Father Damo. As you heard there, if you're in Ireland, you can see him. He's on the Laughter Lounge quite a bit. He's obviously on the comedy circuit. Sorry, comedy festival circuit. So he'll be doing a lot of the gigs around there. Um, so if you're going to any of those that he mentioned, you can pop over and see him. It's like the Galway Arts Festival, which you will see him at. He's in the Laughter Lounge. Um, you'll have to keep an eye on his social media to see when he'll be there. But he is on TikTok. He is on uh Twitter and you'll find him on Instagram as well so go follow him there and then at least you'll be able to see when his gigs are coming up um, and if you're looking on Instagram it's Joe Rooney Comedy so go follow him there and see what he is up to and you get to see when you can see him next and hopefully I'm hoping he's going to play Electric Picnic in the Comedy Ent because I usually spend my Sunday in there until the hangover wave has well subsided and I've laughed myself into ready for day three because I'm an old woman at this stage and it takes quite a while to do three days in a row so you know, let's hope he, he and all the other comedians will be there. But um, obviously, I'll be very happy to see Joe. And if I do, um, if he does message me about any upcoming gigs, I will give a shout out on further episodes, future episodes. So keep an ear on that. Uh, if you, it's the first time you've listened to this podcast, there may be some episodes you might enjoy. So um, just thinking off the top of my head, last week's guest was Charlie Wernham, who plays Aaron in EastEnders. And um, we've had some other soap guests. We've had Sarah Jane Dunn from Hollyoaks who left Hollyoaks for OnlyFans. We've had three guests from Fair City. Um, who else have we had? We've had some musicians like Shane Ward. We've had Matt Cardle, um, Montana Brown from Love Island. We've had RJ Mitty from Breaking Bad. We've had actor Jerry O'Connell, who's in loads of stuff, Stand By Me. And, you know, he's on The Talk now and loads and loads of other stuff. Um, and yeah, I really appreciate if you listen to this episode and you might add another one to your playlist because I'm only a small little indie podcast all on my own. And um I'd really, I really would appreciate uh, anyone who does go out and, you know, share the love in that way. Uh, also, the Irish Podcast Awards are, entries are opening on the 11th of April, so Monday. Um, and if you could and you felt sound, could go and log on and just nominate this podcast. It doesn't cost you anything. You just have to say, look, Nicola's really sound and gorgeous and fantastic and skinny as she sits here eating an iceberger recording in her bed recording this episode she is cool um, no you can just nominate like an episode or you know the podcast itself because the big huge podcasts are going to all have loads of fans after them so I would really appreciate even one one person put me forward so go check out Irish Podcast Awards from Monday anyway that's enough from me um, as usual like subscribe follow the usual come say hello to me um, leave a review on iTunes the whole crack haven't had a review on iTunes in months I think six months so if you have an iTunes account just write down Nicola is gorgeous and I'll just be delighted with that (laughs) Uh, right listen I've talked enough crap in your ears tonight I hope you enjoyed this episode and I will talk to you again this time next week bye